Did your favorite NFL team win the Super Bowl? No? Then the NFL Draft is your Super Bowl. I'm Danny Heifetz, and from now until the draft, we are turning our fantasy football show feed into the Ringer NFL Draft Show. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we talk about the top players and most important storylines for the NFL Draft. So join us on the Ringer NFL Draft Show. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Hold open question of the week, Kaz. What's up, shoes? If you had the last one minute inside a steel cage, mm. would you rather go up against Brock Lesnar or Big Omos? And no, they're both like really mad at you. Oh, they're both really mad at. Me. Okay, that that makes that makes a, a big difference. I I I feel like a a mad Omos can still be reasoned with. I don't want to take my chances with a pissed off Brock Lesnar in a cage. I really don't. I also oh, wait wait I got a better one. Omos who's really pissed off at you for a deeply personal reason. Okay, I offended his or, his, his family or something. Or Brock Lesnar <laughs> who's just in there for kicks. Damn. Do I want a pissed off seven foot seven Nigerian giant, or do I want like the literal most terrifying person on earth who just likes doing that shit for fun? I don't know. I feel like I feel like there's a small part of me that can hold some pride if like I pissed off a giant and like stood toe to toe with him for a little bit before I eventually got my ass kicked. There's something a little bit more emasculating of Brock Lesnar just beating the shit out of you because it's fun and like you just kind of want to just like flip you around like a pancake and laughing just, the whole time. Yeah, like I don't know, like I could. There's still a sort of there's sort of a respect that you get if you get your your ass kicked and you earned it. But if the dude just like just feels like fucking with you and it just happens to be like the most like dangerous combat sports athlete to ever live, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm still taking my chance with Omos again. No disrespect. To Omos, but yeah, nah. I don't the want the that one smoke. minute time limit for me is key because I do feel like there's a chance you could run you could run away from Omos even in a cage for some of that time. But then on the Lesnar side, Lesnar might just you know, Lesnar like might not be taking though. it too seriously. He could just be effing around for the first thirty seconds. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. The scary thing about Brock isn't his strength; it's his agility. Yeah, so like, yeah, the, the agility is what terrifies you about Brock. Like Omos, I think. You know, I, I'm 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 frisky enough to at least avoid like an ass whooping for maybe a minute and a half, maybe. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Before like mm -hmm. I eventually get like caught with a a, a a a knife edge chop to my neck or something like that. Like, not what I want to, not what I want. But I'll I'll take those. Neither of them are ideal situations. Yeah. Um, but either of them might be a semi main event at WrestleMania this year. We'll see. Let's start the show. What's going on, jabronis? It's Pitch Mr. Perfect, Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. This is Roast Battle Season 1 champion, Mike Lawrence. Husky, Steve Kazee. This is Trey Kirby. This is your girl, WB superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hi, this is Lillian Garcia. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening to them. And you're listening you're to listening to and you are listening to the Mask. And you're listening. You're listening to you are listening to the Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. Welcome to a very special Friday episode of the Masked Man Show with Kaz. How you doing, buddy? 
I'm doing good, Shoes. How about yourself, man? Good, man. This is Ringer. Uh, Ringer's sort of doing a low-key wellness week this week, so we have, all the schedules are all a little bit messed up. Apologies to everybody who expected to hear us yesterday. Um, lots going on in the world. Uh, oh, it's Friday. Uh, we're here with our producer, Brian Waters. Brian, who do you take? Angry Omos or Happy Brock in the cage? Ooh, you know, I think Happy Brock, you might get a little dance session there. You give him a money in a bank briefcase, you can get briefcase Brock. <laughs> so I think I would go that way because Omos, he's not only like big, but he's fast. He used to play basketball. Yeah. So he got agility too. But I mean, Brock is fast too. But I think I could I think convince Omos, Brock to. I think Omos is scarier in a full on sprint, right? Like if I'm running from him and he's chasing me now, <laughs> that's yeah. probably more terrifying. But Brock is more like, his quickness is sudden. Like, that's the scary part. Like, he could just fucking, like, be cool one second and then just, like, all right, it's time to destroy you now. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, it's I like mean, a, we could take yeah. a great you white might shark. convince him to go eat some steaks later. Right? You know, he seems <laughs> like he's he's so affable. You feel like you can convince him. But, uh, you know, I also don't want to be, like, his plaything. If he feels True. like just destroying stuff, that's not, that's not, a, that's not a fun uh, proposition for me either. Um. <laughs> Let's talk about professional wrestling, the real one. Well, the reason why we're talking about this is because there's they've sort of they've sort of planted the seeds. Well, mm. not sort of. They have very like deliberately planted the seeds for Lesnar Omos WrestleMania match. Um, very old school, you know, monster versus monster sort of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an interesting matchup, although it feels a little bit. I, I'll t- got to tell you when I heard it it felt a little bit like a trap door or like, that's not the right word, like a false bottom sort of situation where like, are we luring Brock into a feud with with the Hurt Business and then Bobby's going to join and it's going to be Lesnar versus the whole Hurt Business or whatever. Are we going to get to a a buddy cop situation like you were pitching last week with Bobby and We can do it still. It's not too late. (laughs) Do you think we're going for a straight up one-on-one beast versus... Beast versus Big Man showdown? I don't think so. I think, I think this is uh, the MVP workings, right? Like if you followed the story for the past several weeks, you know MVP has been trying to do everything he can to get on Bobby Lashley's good side, mm-hmm. trying to re- re- get the get the guys back together. He still has his relationship with Omos. Um, Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley had an inconclusive finish at Elim- Elimination Chamber. It seems like a trap for Brock. Like, it seems like when he issues this challenge, he's going to come out or not take it seriously or take it and not take it seriously. I don't know, but it just doesn't seem like it's not, no disrespect to Omos and a Brock matchup, which I'm sure it could be fun for several reasons, but it just seems like a, a pretty sharp left turn to the story that they were taking. If they're just going to be like, all right, we're just going to go with Brock Omos now for the next, what, four weeks, five weeks. Um, well, I mean, that was it's right on the right on the heels of Bray Wyatt deciding he was going to fight whoever won that match. Yeah. Uh, so that's you know that came out of left left field too. Yeah, roads to WrestleMania are just like like not defined anymore. I guess right. They're, I guess if you just say something in the month of February, it's law. So <laughs> they're just like, oh yeah. yeah well, I guess all you got to do is point at the got, sign. It's got to happen. He pointed at the sign. I'm pretty sure, like, what if that's like? I hope there? that it's something deeper. I hope that it, I hope that this grows into something else. Um, the, the, I don't know what's more perplexing this one or the potential Bobby Bray feud. Mm. If they both happen straight up, relatively speaking, which one is, I mean, I guess, I guess I'm sort of more in favor of Brock Omos because it just feels like, uh, it feels like a WrestleMania match. Mm-hmm. You know, it's feel, like we're used to seeing them throw together monster monster matches gotta have a giant gotta throw a giant in there mm, good giants <laughs> they should just get all the giants together like officially have a super heavyweight division in wwe okay who would be in it, it would be omas great Kali, right they'd find him somewhere <laughs> returning great Kali. uh braun Strowman. braun Strowman. you know uh um, uh, you could put the fat, you know, like like uh, Otis in there. You could put uh, uh, Dabakato, I guess. Dabakato oh yeah, Dabakato, he's back. That's a big, big fella. Uh, so weird they went back to that. Maybe that name means something to him. But I'm regardless, sure I'm sure. It does. Um, 
I'm sure Commander Aziz wasn't uh, his first choice <laughs> of, of of name. But what his name before that was what Baba Tunde or something? Yeah, it was Baba Tunde, and then, and then uh, Dabakato was Dabakato. when he was in the fight pit or whatever, and yeah. then Raw Underground. Yeah. yeah, good times there. Uh, the so do you put do you put super super heavyweights of width? In this division as well, because yeah, then you it's a weight. It's, it's actually a weight class. So like Bronson Reed could be in there. That could be fun. Okay. Um, okay. Who else? There must be some obvious big dudes that we're missing here. What if they get like a cartoonishly large belt and like that's like the super heavyweight championship? Oh yeah, or a and cartoonishly just... small belt that like they, they like <laughs> just to make them look even bigger. Yeah, that's a possibility. That's a possibility. I don't know. People, here's the thing. Having conversations about like super heavyweight matches are tough on podcasts because like this is definitely not the target audience, right? Like the people <laughs> like the people who listen to these type of shows are like they want to hear about like five star catches catch can. Oh man, look at this incredible. Me, sometimes I just like to see big people hurt each other. <laughs> like sometimes there's one of like two seven foot dudes or one like monster and a and a, and a seven foot ten guy just like just do cartoonishly funny stuff that you could only see in not just pro wrestling but like specifically in WWE like a specific like the ring's gonna explode or like the turnbuckles are gonna fall off. You should, it like, should be like the <laughs> only way to win the match is to turn over this food truck and pin your <laughs> opponent with it. Yes, yes, like you you have to have. I don't know if you played uh, SmackDown versus Raw or, or any of these old WWE games, but these have these things called Oh My God moments where like you get like your specials up all the way and then like you could like flip, in a, flip a table or like throw an ambulance or I'm just making these up. But they were always just like outlandish things. And what if there was just no pinfalls, no submissions, no disqualifications? The only way you could win is by dismantling your opponent via cartoonishly large object. Would you be in or not? <laughs> yes, I'm a hundred percent in. <laughs> Bray I think, and, and, and there should be, there should be. It's almost like King of the Ring. It's like whoever wins this match is the only person we're acknowledging as a giant for the next calendar on. year. Yes, everybody <laughs> else is just large men, but you are the giant of the ring, and they give you a cartoonishly large crown. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, but uh, no, I'm saying um, of those two matches between Bobby Bray. Uh, Brock and Omos. I mean, I think just off the strength of Bray, I'm just more interested in seeing where he's going to take that, right? Like, I just kind of feel like everything that he's done, he spent five months on LA Knight, or it felt like it felt like forever he was working mm-hmm. with LA Knight. So I just think, you know, Bray wouldn't... I don't think Bray's in the business of doing, like, quick feuds. Kind of seems like he has to build out a story and build out a world into where this sort of makes sense, even if it's only to him. You know, so um, I, I think Bray, the potential in Bray versus Bobby Lashley is definitely more interesting to me than Omos Brock. Yeah, I mean, the potential is super interesting because we just don't know what it we don't we don't get it mm-hmm. at this point. Uh, apparently, some stuff's going to happen tonight. We'll see. Um, I feel like this is going to be a big smackdown tonight. Oh, for sure. It's got to be. It's got to be a big smackdown. First one after Elimination Chamber. It's it's road to WrestleMania. Rhea Ripley's on the show. She's going to. Facing up Charlotte Flair, like you know, now it's time. It's time to start cranking that wheel and getting the to Firefly the Firefly Funhouse is coming back. Oof, there's another one. There's still time. There's still time. The Brock Bobby Buddy Cop. The, that the would sense- be great if he try if he did like this the John Cena like uh like the like the tour through all the previous characters. He tried to do that with Bobby Lashley, and it was just like, no, Bobby's been the same. Then you went to another company. <laughs> You were the same guy. Then you tried him and met you were the same guy. That would be the whole time. <laughs> well, Eventually- there was that one time you were Bobby Buttcheek, so you're doing the Buttcheek stuff. <laughs> I took so much pride in doing. Oh, good times. Good times there. Um, nah, there's a... I hope that's a brave thing, though. Like, I feel like the cinematicness of, you know, and even if he didn't get to do it fully with, like, others, other people that he faced off at WrestleMania, for some way, shape, or form, he's kind of done a little bit of that. He did a little bit of that with The Undertaker in their in their lead up to their match. He did a little bit of that with um uh with Cena, obviously. Um and you know, maybe I think I, there's I just think there's so much interest in Bray Wyatt just because like the thing that attracts you about him isn't like his match quality. It's like, what story is he going to help tell with these mm-hmm. people involved? So I think there's just always going to be more intrigue there, just just off off the strength. Yeah. No, you're right. Um, this is the weird part of the road to WrestleMania, mm-hmm. where we're just sort of 
putting pieces together. But they're it's, keeping, I mean... It's they, the Vince Lombardi rest stop right now. That's where we're at. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting your Burger King, your Cinnabons. You get, <laughs> filled up some gas. It's a very, like, uh, New Jersey highway reference there. You got right? an Auntie the, Ant's pretzel. Um... <laughs> Uh, what do you think about Rampage this week? Since we're coming on coming on the heels of that, it it was a little bit of a for the second week in a row the 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 the, the match listing didn't have me super excited. Although I I think I overall really enjoyed the show. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a lot of talk about Evil Uno in the main event bleeding profusely through his mask. Um. Obviously against John Moxley. Uh, Shocking. Talk about, we're going to talk about Johnny today a little bit. Um, Shocking. And a lot of talk about MJF's. How do we describe this promo? Uh, it seems like every feud eventually, every major MJF feud eventually devolves into a sort of face turny promo. Is that? Is that how? Is that? Am I am I right in characterizing it that way? Yeah, I think it's more I think it's more of MJF trying to be relatable. Like I think mm-hmm. the best villains. And here's why and it's why MJF sort of like is so good at what he does. The best villains that we watch in any other form of entertainment has always at least had some sort of reasonable reason to for being such like a madman, right? Like mm-hmm. even like, you know, the Joker, uh, you know, Killmonger, Thanos, like every single like terrible person and in, in, in any real true iconic bad guy has their reasons for the way they the reasons why they act the way they act and mm-hmm. every time MJF kind of gets into these uh these promos on their way to a title match or a big match of his he cuts something that basically lets you open up a little bit more to who he is or what he's done in his past he didn't just kind of show up this arrogant guy with a scarf and and that cursing people out all the time so i always think that's fun man like i always think you know he he always peels back an extra layer every time you know he's getting ready for a big match and you just kind of get to know that he's a he's a multi-dimensional character he's not just a very cookie cutter black and white clean sort of character in professional wrestling which is very easy to do he's got layers to him and at the end of the day you still fucking hate him. You know what I'm saying? Which is at the at the end of all that, he's still doing his job being a guy that you want to see get his ass kicked. But at the back of your head, you're still like, eh, I kind of feel him. I kind of feel him. But what, what are your thoughts, Dave? I do kind of feel him. <laughs> I think what struck me more than anything else is... Seems like a tortured soul, that MJF. I'm excited to see Danielson and MJF wrestle. Yes. I've enjoyed a lot of the road here, but that's mostly because of Danielson's matches. You know, the gauntlet he had to run. I'm not sure that the AEW championship is helping this feud, does anything for this feud at all. Like, I think I would be maybe more excited if neither of them were champion. Mm. Because it would have the feeling that it was potentially leading somewhere for one of the two of them. And MJF, I mean, MJF's not the undertaker. He's not a dude that doesn't need a title. Right. But there's a part of it where it's like, I don't know, maybe the title would be more useful somewhere else. Do you think that he's just, uh, I mean, the more I've seen him with the world title, the more it definitely fits him. But do you just think that like, it's because everything else that comes with MJF isn't necessarily tied to being a world champion. You're just kind of more interested in like the shit he says and the shit that people say to him. Like it's not necessarily about championships. Yeah. 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 It's not that the belt doesn't look good on him, but it doesn't, it just is sort of like a hat on a hat. You know what I mean? It's like the third most interesting thing about him. Right. Yes. It's not like, doesn't, it's not the first thing you think about when you see him. Like, I, and I, like I, we saw with the with the succession of promos, starting in the the weird backroom one, all the way up to what we saw on Wednesday. It's like we're still learning about MJF, right? Yeah. We're still trying to figure out who he is. And part of what makes him so compelling is that we don't know, right? But I don't know. It's like the world title is like the end of the process mm-hmm. for so many wrestlers, right? Mm-hmm. It's the culmination of the journey. And it just sort of feels like 
it just sort of yeah, I mean, it feels like a mid-card title that like doesn't really matter, doesn't really factor into the feud that much. Right, right, right. I don't, I don't know. It's, Brian it's... was nodding for a second. I don't know if I had him there. I don't <laughs> Brian, what do you think? I feel the same way. I feel like, I think you just hit it on the head that maybe the feud doesn't need the title. But then what Kaz said, like MJF looks like a champion. I, I'm a fan of the Triple B for him. But it's something, and maybe this isn't the, and Danielson's my favorite, but I don't know. Maybe this isn't like the first few. And I was thinking the other day, I kind of want to see him defend it a little bit more, but mm-hmm. I feel like maybe that's he's the Bret Hart program. He's definitely mm-hmm. not a not a working champ in this, it, 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 like some of the ones AEW has had so far. And I don't think it's necessary, but I do think it's like, it's notable, right? Um, yeah, even in his promos, I don't see, I don't feel like, champion like i feel like i should see the belt more and him flaunting mm-hmm. it more you know mm-hmm. when he had these promos just to solidify that he is the most important character on that company it's almost like he should talk less he should say less as uh ah. yeah uh <laughs> borrow a phrase did there <laughs> uh it's almost like you get the belt and maybe that should have been his moment where he was just like normally i come out here and talk for 15 minutes. But I think we should just spend the next 15 minutes looking at this and just like show the belt and just, you know, bask in the silence. I don't know. It's all, it's all a work in progress. And by the way, this match is going to be a banger. It's going to be like, like I know it's an Iron Man match with Brian fucking Danielson. I'd love to Iron Man match match stipulations. If I could. (laughs) <laughs> what is it? The Iron Man match totally caught me off guard. Why MJF kind of let himself be put in that position? You know, I mean, whatever. It's good. It's it's it was the story was told pretty well. Um, but yeah, it's I don't know. I don't know. Uh, the part of me, I'm excited about an Iron. Let me put. Maybe I'm just being overly nitpicky. It's Friday. I don't usually podcast on this day. Whatever. <laughs> I'm excited about an Iron Man match on an episode of Dynamite. Less excited about an Iron Man match on a pay-per-view. And it's not just because the pay-per-views notoriously run long, but it's like, if you just have these two guys go out and the match, and you don't call it an Iron Man match, but the match runs an hour, then it's like, holy shit, what did we just see? But going in knowing it's going to be an hour, I don't know, it just sort of takes some, uh, it, it doesn't get me hyped up. So that is what makes this so interesting to me. I think... Of all people to know how hard it is to put on a compelling Iron Man match, Brian Danielson and MJF probably know the best, right? I think we've been so conditioned into the way Iron Man matches work is that, like, the first half hour usually is meaningless, right? Like, mm-hmm. nothing nothing of note really happens for the first 30 minutes. And you could really just watch the last 10 minutes of any Iron Man match and you got everything you got there, you know? So... What intrigues me about this one is knowing that, knowing that they know that, and just how do you keep that attention for an hour long without it getting really boring, as as some Iron Man matches tend to be, you know what I mean? Um, maybe there is just more scoring in this one. Like, I wouldn't be mm-hmm. mad if we saw just more pins, more submissions, more disqualifications, just more creative ways to score falls or play falls or play keep away or just put more of a sporting element to this. Um, so I'm excited for that. Um, I just hope it's not like a, a one zero thing. I hope it's not like the Brett Sean special where they wrestle for an hour. It's like, put some more time on the clock. It's like, when I was eight years old, that was awesome. If 36-year-old Kaz is watching an Iron Man match and there's no pins or submissions for an hour, yeah. and then Tony Khan says, put 10 more minutes on the clock, I will say, fuck you, I'm going home. That would have worked with Brian and Omega, though. The match that they had, mm-hmm. I, mean, I think it would have worked. I'm sorry. Nah. Like, you don't think so? If it's 0-0... Zero, zero, if Only with zero, them. zero, nah. Like it's gotta, you gotta give me something. Like you gotta, you gotta be down two. You gotta be up one. Like you gotta be down four. Like you gotta do something to keep. Yeah, you gotta keep it going. I mean, there's so many ways you can you fill up that time by telling yeah. the stories of the pins, right? Or, there's the, or else the, just have a good match and don't yeah. say it's an Iron Man match. Just say, hey, we're just gonna wrestle for an hour. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
Yeah, I love the, I mean, the, you know, the classic gimmick of like, let me hit my opponent with a chair, you get DQ'd, but then you get a couple of pins out of it, you know, you get, mm. there's there's a lot of cool stuff you could do. All that sort of fills up that eats the time and tells the story of the match. Have we ever had an Iron Man match where somebody gave away a pin? Like someone's just toying with their Why opponent? Why people do that more, right? Like, I feel like, now, if I was a wrestler, and wrestling is kayfabe and all that type of stuff, I have, a, I have 60 minutes to get as many pinfalls as I possibly can, right? Mm-hmm. Why not just go outside, get your chair, beat the shit out of them? You're not going to get disqualified per chair shot. You're just going to get disqualified for using one that time. one chair. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, why not beat the shit out of them with whatever you got and just rack up as many falls on the unconscious body as you possibly can? Like, well, because it's, because chair shots only last. The effects only last for about you know uh, a minute and a half tops. And Cares how many pins... He- the, I was the, the red, giving red away two K secrets. But I'm not yeah. saying the red meter doesn't 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 last that long. It eventually goes back to green after you hit that chair at least four or five times. But I don't know, like shit. Like one of my one of my favorite guys. Like I just I just I'm just hoping for more creativity with this, right? Like one of my favorite finishes in a wrestling match ever was John Cena versus Batista in the Last Man Standing match when like John Cena duct taped. Batista mm-hmm. to the floor <laughs> to make sure he couldn't get up. And Batista was just so pissed off. Like, he's like he was almost like, he was just so, so like, how dare you use duct tape? Duct tape? You call yourself a champion? Duct tape? So it's like, there's so many ways. Just like, fuck, just get get creative. Do some fun shit. Get a mousetrap. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. tie him up. You know what I'm saying? Like, tie him up to a, to a, to a pole or something. Like, tape him to the ground so he can't get up. I don't know. There are so many just I just I'm just hoping for some creativity out of this Iron Man match. I'm not I'm, I know Brian Danielson could have a classic match. I know MJF is a much, much better in ringer performer than he probably gets credit for. I know that. I just want to see if you can take the creativity, if you can take an iron match, a concept that has, you know, been around for a long time, and outside of maybe two or three of those matches, haven't really done much to really change the creativity on how this is. It's as closest to a sporting sort of version of pro wrestling that you could possibly get. So um, I'm just hoping that they've been really turning the wheels upstairs to keep people interested for for, for 60 minutes because AEW, AEW pay-per-views are long enough as it is. You know what I mean? So like you're going to have to do something really special to keep that attention for that long. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things but at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. 
Wearing a men's warehouse outfit makes you confident, like you could do anything. So you dance like no one is watching, even though everyone is watching. Because of the men's warehouse outfit, you interview like the job is already yours because it is. Because of the men's warehouse outfit, you golf as if the rules don't apply to you because you're too well-dressed for rules. Because of the men's warehouse outfit. At Men's Warehouse, get measured, get fitted, get hot, get confident in everything from tailored suits to underwear and all the stuff in between. Love the way you look at Men's Warehouse. Uh, we also got um, Jericho and, and uh, Ricky Starks uh, officially signed up, both in kayfabe and um, in the real world. Mm-hmm. Uh, Starks, uh, I guess, talked his way, tricked maybe Jericho into a one-on-one match with the Jericho Appreciation Society banned from ringside. This feels like um, feels like a good opportunity for Ricky Starks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's we've come a long way. Have it, making him run through again a lot of gauntlets in AEW these days. He had to run through quite a gauntlet to to even get uh, close, and now he's just getting Jericho completely one on one, which is you know uh, a little bit surprising. But it is it's where we want it to go, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we got Christian and and Jungle Boy finally finally coming to a head. Um, I don't know, man. Revolution's going to be a big show. It's going to be oh. a, a big show. Oh, it's going to be a fantastic show. I have no doubt about it. And that's, you know, there's there's a lot of moving parts to it as well. And, uh, you know, when it comes to the Ricky Starkses and that that mid-card, not mid-card, but I guess it is a mid-card, like the mid-card of AEW really establishing themselves um, without titles. I think that's the big takeaway from, not big takeaway, but the one thing I'm really looking forward to Revolution is that a lot of these matches uh, are just, trying to culminate and pay off some good stories. You know what I'm saying? Like the titles aren't necessarily the most important things at that, at, at you know, for these shows. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a pretty good thing right now. You know, mm-hmm. I think they need to build out more story arcs that aren't just, you know, surrounded by records and championships and obviously make them matter clearly. But I just think, you know, for, I, I would love to see if AEW just put more emphasis on paying off, great storylines that don't necessarily have to culminate in like a championship win. You know what I'm saying? Not to say there's anything wrong with that, but I just want to see them do it more, you know? Yeah. Um, did we talk about our guy, Keith Lee making his big comeback? Yes, we did. Well, okay, no, we good. didn't. I don't think we did, but, uh, I think we should, right? Yeah. You happy to see him back? Yes. You know, we are the phenomenal, probably the biggest, Keith Lee support system in the podcast space, right? Like, mm-hmm. so for all the idiots that had something to say about Keith Lee's hair and his appearance, like, please, a short bridge, a long pier, <laughs> take that, <laughs> take that walk because it's like, just don't be a, don't be an idiot. I'm happy to see Keith Lee back. Happy to see him healthy. Yes, like, dude has had gray hair for quite some time. Oh, it's yeah. a good look on him. I dig it. And uh, I'm I'm happy to see, you know, this Swerve Strickland-Keith Lee feud finally start to culminate. And that's another thing. Like, no titles involved, but they've been telling that story for several months. And now he's back. And I hope he gets some more Rick Ross promos in there as well. <laughs> like, uh, And Swerve has been doing some, some incredible stuff since he's uh, kind of breakout. He's been doing incredible stuff ever since he got to AEW. But point blank, period. But... Um, really excited to see where where they take this one and uh, how they how they make Keith Lee look going into this match if it does happen at Revolution. Uh, also setting up for Revolution, we got um, new number one contenders in the tag team division: Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. The reaction to Jarrett's sort of rise in AEW online has been pretty has been pretty has been pretty weird. I mean, not weird, pretty interesting. Mm. I feel like with both Cody Rhodes and Jeff Jarrett. We're sort of entering like a post-postmodern era of wrestling fandom where there are still people who complain, but there is a sort of like new tier of voices <laughs> who are just like, like, yeah, but you got to hand it to them. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like, like, I don't, I don't, Cody is more over than, than who the Beatles in their heyday or whatever, like Cody is super over, but Mm. he still gets, he would still be getting booed. I feel like at live shows, if this was 
five years ago. Yo. I, I feel like there's a sort of acceptance. There's a sort of, I don't know. There's a different sort of, there's a more upbeat vibe in the wrestling world. Maybe it's just the singularity of these stars. Maybe Cody is that good. Maybe Double J is that. But you hear in this match, it's like, there's. this is a ring. This is a battle royal full of people who you would think most AEW fans would pick over Jeff Jarrett to be the number one contenders. And yet, in the comments are people who are just like, why the hell are we pushing this dude? Like, why? And then, but with every, with every comment, there's a response. It's like, man, dude's been kicking ass for a long time. Yeah. He's in great shape. He's doing the best work of his career. And he's, and people hate him. What, what, like that's that's that that's that's a that's a big deal. Yeah, like people are coming to Jarrett's defense. Nobody came to Jeff Jarrett's defense like uh, two years ago. I don't know. It's just, it just it's. I feel like we're where I feel like we're these those two guys is probably more like si- sing- think, signals of something new. I think it's two things. Once I one I think it's just sheer. I think at the end of the day, like anybody can respect just sheer determination. For somebody who just by hook or by crook is going to make something work. Cody was not turning heel. He stuck to his baby face gills. And that's probably why people who even want to boo him is like, man, motherfucker did it his way. And it's and it's paid off. And with Jeff Jarrett, I think it's more like uh, it's a little bit of that. But like people still just love the hits, man. The hits always work when professional wrestling like Jeff Jarrett hasn't changed a single thing about himself <laughs> in the past, mm-hmm. what, 30 years? Still doing the guitar, still calling people slap nuts, still, you know, just... It, it's weird. AEW has, like, a, a such a, a fan base that is so dialed into everything uh, from other companies and other stories that, like, even if Jeff Jarrett isn't your cup of tea, you have to have a healthy respect for him because it's like, yo, like, quiet is kept this thing that we're all rooting for, Jeff Jarrett was kind of like started, like helped do that first as far as like impact and TNA, right? Like Mm -hmm. this whole like alternative version of what we think pro wrestling could be like, yeah, like looking back at it now, like fuck, a six-sided ring was kind of cool, right? Like, was it cool? Like the X Division was something different. Like look how many people came out of all these things. I think deep down inside, pro wrestling fans eventually play their role. And they're like, he's trying to get booed. So out of respect, boo the motherfucker. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, same thing with Cody. He's trying to get cheers. Out of respect, you got to cheer him because he's doing it's like, it. It's like, it's why we boo. I mean, I always say it. it's what that's Paul. That's why we boo, boo Paul Heyman, you know? Yeah. It's part of the show. The show doesn't work well if you're trying to be that counterculture fan for mm-hmm. people that are just so classically trained. Like, they've forgotten more about wrestling than most people will ever yeah. learn in those three. Paul Heyman, Jeff Jarrett, Cody Rhodes. Like, I think they know what they're doing at this point in their careers, right? Yeah. So, you know, you got to respect them. Um, But it's also presentation, right? We can go back to the... It's funny, I was thinking about Cody Rhodes. Um, someone on Reddit, I'm, I let me pull this thing up, had the best Cody Rhodes take in discussing why he's so much more over in WWE than he was in AEW. Mm. And I don't know if it's Cody Rhodes' learning curve. I don't know. You know, we've said over and over again, he just seems to fit. Like the whole Cody, the whole Cody presentation fits in WWE more. But I read this comment and it stuck with me. Um, this is from Watts All the Ruckus on, uh, on Reddit. It's a great, great name. That was a great name. Listen to this. Cody was, and I guess it was, is referring to his time in AEW specifically, but in general. Cody was exceedingly bad at recognizing that the things that he thinks that make him a good babyface, i.e. white suits, solving racism, the Cody (laughs) Vader, breaking the throne, all the pyro. He was exceedingly bad at recognizing the things that that, that he thinks make him a good babyface versus the things that actually make him a good babyface, i.e. him being kind, scrappy, a little sarcastic, driven. And those that those two things are totally different. And then this is this is the kicker. It's like he watched Rocky Four backwards and modeled his whole approach on it. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that makes so much sense. Um, mm-hmm. I can't even be mad at that uh, assessment of Cody Rhodes. Um, but I think what I think the lesson is WWE and Cody and WWE is doing a good job at focusing on the things that matter. They are, if there's one thing that WWE is really good at, um, it's accentuating the positives, right? Like, here's the thing. 
This is probably going to be a blasphemous comparison, but I'm going to do it anyway because this is a podcast and we make blasphemous comparisons all the time, right? Roman Reigns in AEW would have never worked because... Roman Reigns in WWE didn't work for a long time, but you're right. So here's my thing, right? The the Rome like if Roman and the, and it fits in a different world and like Roman instead of going to a WWE goes to AEW, not and again it's I don't think it's any fault of the way AEW operates. I just think the certain the level of fan base is different. Where I don't think they would have given Roman Reigns the chance to grow as a performer because they wouldn't have let him accentuate on the good things that he does. Right, the one thing WWE did really well. When Roman Reigns has wasn't really figured out yet, was just focus on the good shit he does. It's like we're just gonna hide all this other stuff. You can't really talk that well. Like he's not necessarily the most uh, mat technician sort of guy. Like he's kind of a big match dude. He has big powerful moves. We're just gonna do big fucking punches, big fucking clotheslines, power bombs, all that. So we are just going to accentuate the positive. I think in AEW a lot of you know, and and again, it's not about. I don't think it's about their uh, the way they do stuff. I just think. The certain fan that watches the product and enjoys the product enjoys the versatility of all of their top wrestlers. You know what I mean? They love being able to do all those sort of things. Whereas, like, then it begs the question, would you rather be the most versatile wrestler in the world with a chance to be a star or have the full backing of the biggest wrestling company accentuate on your positives and now you're just the biggest wrestling star there is? I think they're doing that with Cody Rhodes. I think Cody has like a different sort of advantage on that because he left WWE and got to taste a little bit of everything before sort of coming back. So now he's like this big gumbo of professional wrestling wisdom mixed with like, oh yeah, like I have the blood of probably the greatest wrestling babyface of all time running through me who also raised this entire generation of current WWE and AEW uh, stars. So um, accentuating the positives is key when it comes to like really driving in uh, a, a top guy and not necessarily worrying about the stuff that they can't do or they're not good at. Yeah. And even like, you know, I enjoyed the the the, the kind of matches he was working in AW and doing the dog collar stuff for the cage stuff, just very trying to be, trying to be, you know, reference the, the old Southern style of wrestling. But you know what does it, what did it for me more than anything else in the entire AEW run? Mm. Was him wrestling in slacks the other week. Like that, <laughs> that is some old like NWA Crockett shit, right? Yes. It's just like, oh, we, you want to have a match? Well, I'm just unbuttoning my shirt then. This I always say, I always say there's nothing scarier than a person that a dude who takes his shirt off to have a fight, right? It's, because it's, it's just the, <laughs> the rustling. There's something about the rustling of like the necktie that says, oh man, this guy's he's a he's he's a he's a sharp dressed man, but boy, he's got that that chutzpah. Well, that moxie about him. It is. When the shirt comes off, too, there's also the implicit, like, I don't want to get blood on my stuff because I'm about to hurt you that bad. You know? It's like, it's... <laughs> uh, it, I don't know. It's scary as hell. But just him out there in the slacks, I thought that was I thought that was great. I thought that um, was cool, too, man. I know you got to get out of here before too long. Do you have time to stick around and talk about the Observer Awards? Or should, or, or do you, you got to go? <laughs> I definitely have, like, yes, I have some time. What's up? Let's talk about it. All right. All right. The Wrestling Observer Awards came out today. I just want to say for everybody who's getting mad at these things. The fan uh, voted. Yeah, fans voted. You could have voted. You could have voted. <laughs> don't I don't want to hear any of this not my president shit. All right. You had an opportunity. <laughs> everybody was telling you to get out there and cast your ballot. Uh all right. Wrestler of the Year Award. Uh, uh number one, John Moxley, followed uh by Roman Reigns and Will Ospreay. Um, I, you know, I think we would probably put Roman Reigns at the top, but, um, I, it's hard. I mean, John Moxley is like, John Moxley is like, um, man, I don't want to make this an argument about, I don't want to get into the LeBron Jordan argument, but oh, what the hell? <laughs> it's like everybody that's get everybody that says that's been saying LeBron is the goat now because he passed Kareem. It's just like. What if Kareem had scored 50 less points and then would LeBron have been the GOAT two to two games ago? Like, it's such an arbitrary thing. It's like yeah. LeBron either was the GOAT or he or he's not the GOAT. But an accumulation of of merit badges doesn't make you the GOAT, right? Maybe it does to some people. It makes you the most accomplished. It might make you the most uh, statistically, 
you know, yeah. but greatness is much sure, more you can than count a champion. You can count championships. I'll yeah. give you that. But it's like, no, nobody two years ago was just like, you know, was comparing their scoring records. It's about what they did in the playoffs. It's like, what kind of play? Uh, anyway, you can make the argument. The whole point is John Moxley is in the best possible way, sort of like a merit badge champion, right? He's done so many fucking things that he's yeah. undeniable. This has been yeah. a hell of a year for him. And he's bled more this year than, you know, pe- most people who've like suffered terrible accidents. So Never. give that to him too. Gotcha. Um, let's see, who else do we got? Uh, most outstanding wrestler. Number one is Osprey. Number two, Danielson. Number three, Okada. Uh, Osprey's way out in front on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, he's had a hell of a year, man. And his match style has definitely evolved to the point where it's hard to nitpick anymore. Yeah. You know? He had a, I mean, he was, he wasn't a gimmicky wrestler, you know, for most of his career, but he was a sort of wrestler where it was like, there were holes in his game or, or no holes is the wrong way to put it. He was, he he wrestled such a deliberate style that, that, that it was really easy if you wanted to hate on him to say, but he only does X, Y, and Z. Now you don't say that anymore. Now he's the total package. Yeah. Uh, he was definitely and, the, uh, the one of the one of the mascots of flippy shit when people had that uh, you know the people were pushing back mm-hmm. on that earlier. But he's definitely become and dudes extremely well rounded, and he could t- cut a hell of a promo as well. So yeah, dudes have made lots of money just sticking with the flippy shit. He he chose to to evolve. You know, some of that's necessity, age, injury, uh, and and you know wanting to move up. Mm-hmm. Weight class and that kind of thing, but he, you know, he had a great showing in AEW. Um, I think he's one of the guys in the short list of, you know, only bigger and better in his future. Um, this has just been a hell of a year for him. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I just am so much more steeped in WWE and AEW that <laughs> that I could go. You know, like I, I could argue in a different direction, but I don't know, man. I'm not going to argue with the Ospreys had him. In ring, just a hell, hell of a year. year. Hell of a year. Got to hand it to him. Got to hand it to him. Uh, tag team of the year. And Waters, get in here too if you have something you want to say. Tag team of mm-hmm. the year. FTR, number one by uh, by a lot. The Briscoes, number two. And the Young Bucks, number three. Um, I mean, dude, those FTR Briscoes matches. I'll go, one of them was this year. But like, mm-hmm. FTR has made, was the tag team of the year and barely, I mean, barely was on AEW TV. You know, I mean, like, they, like, did, I mean, they were on AEW TV, but, like, compared to how you would assume they'd be used, they yeah. bootstrapped their way to being the best tag team in the world. Now, listen. There's no WWE teams on here. You can, the Usos have been carrying two belts around for a long time. You can make, a, you know, this is, this is the people that voted for this award. But I do think, give FTR their laurels, man. I mean, they are, they are, just an, uh, not that different from Osprey in a certain way. There was a long time where I was, a bi- I always been a big fan of FTR, but there was a point where I felt like they'd cultivated this mystique that was almost, almost outsized compared to what they actually were. Yes. Yeah. And, and that can be a real problem for some people because you can never live up to the sort of mystique that you've built for yourself. FTR set this bar and then they went and like got jumped cleared over it. it. Definitely cleared it. It's one of the most impressive things I can I can I, I can remember. I I could not. I mean, I, FTR might be the only tag team in the world that I would like watch a show just because they were on it. <laughs> well, I can see that. that, that that's going to be put to the test. You know what I mean? Like they've definitely been. Uh, absolutely on fire this entire year, um, and they they've put out more ta- classic tag team matches than anybody has this year. Even if you are a Usos fan, which I am, you know what I'm saying. Like just off the sheer volume of output, it's hard to go against them this year. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like they they were absolutely uh, almost undeniable. Um, next to next to the Usos, but I mean, different strokes of different folks, and and you kind of I get you get an idea of of who votes for these type of things, but 
You can't take anything away from FTR and how great they've been this entire year. I know you got to get out of here. Brian, hang around for one second while we wrap up. And we will, and uh, Kaz, we'll see you on Monday back with another episode of Mass Mondays on yes, the Mass Man Show. Have a good afternoon, man. Later, y'all. We'll talk more about the Observer Awards with Kaz on Monday. Producer Brian, I, I have to call you Producer Brian, although you are an on-air talent now. I mean, it is, I that feel like... That sounds good. Thank you. I like, the, I like the sound of that. One of the co-hosts of uh, Wednesday Worldwide on um, the Ringer Wrestling Show. How you doing, man? I'm good. Uh, this has been a week. You know, Wellness Week, and I told uh, Ben, give me the ball, coach. So I've been producing everybody's show, mm-hmm. and it's actually been fun. It's actually therapeutic, believe it or not. Yeah. Just to be fully, fully, and fully, uh, like everything is is wrestling podcast now. You're just like <laughs> just touching everything. Um, yeah, like five year old me is jumping up and down, and you know I talked to Dom yesterday, Dominic Mysterio, and oh yeah, talk- you 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 produced <laughs> Peter's interview, Rosenberg's interview with him. Yeah, he talked about being in the pen before That's... we got on the air. Really? <laughs> yeah, he said and he's uh, like working you off uh, off mic. <laughs> yeah, he said that uh, you know. Um, you know, a lot has changed since I met him when you, you did the interview at uh, WrestleMania Access last year. You know, oh, yeah. he's such a good kid, but now, you know, he did some hard times and had to get back to mommy. And he mm-hmm. said, you know, Rosenberg better hurry up. Or else he going to show what he did to um, people who played with his time. It's such a big shift for him, man. <laughs> it is. I mean, and not just the in-character thing. It's like, I, it's like, think about how much more you care about Dom versus Ray at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, before it was like, wasn't gonna it wasn't the match it was the idea of the match yeah and this is where we get into trouble with fantasy booking sometimes because you you let it you actually let you let it slide you don't demand the best storytelling you just kind of get excited when they start putting the pieces together for the thing you wanted to see right right? and everybody would have been stoked if they had just been kept going the same way and then dom does like a a formulaic heel turn and says i want that mask whatever we like left that behind for a while. The whole drama is gone. And if we, if and when we get back there, I think we might get back there tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because he has a reason to be on SmackDown. Uh, yeah, it's going it to be so much more meaningful. And it just, just watching him grow, getting away from his dad so he can get his individuality, right? Like one of the things I always talk about with the Usos, you know the difference between Jay and Jimmy. That wasn't always the case. Maybe until Total Divas, if we're being honest, because you started to see Jimmy on there with his wife. But now the Usos are doing something that a lot of twin tag teams can't do, which is stand out and be individuals just as much as they are a tag team. So mm-hmm. which, that's another story that's going to be interesting, especially with Jay posting on Instagram, uh, run one more again, with talking about him and Roman. So. Mm-hmm. It, you know, but with Dom Mysterio, for him to be able to be by him, like essentially away from his dad every week, not always just forcing the story. So when we come back to it, you know, especially the holidays, because now you're wondering what is he going to do on St. Patrick's Day? Are they going to do something there? What about Memorial Day? Uh, ben said, ask him his Memorial Day plans. By then, the interview was over. But that's the thing. Like every holiday since was it Thanksgiving? Yeah, you look to Twitter to see what would happen. Yeah, it's it's really it's a big accomplishment. <laughs> it's a big mm-hmm. accomplishment. WWE's been doing that stuff, the creative side of that stuff, really well. Absolutely. Um, so uh, there was a little bit of a note I just saw. I think it was from Meltzer on the on the uh, going back to the Omas Brock thing, which I'm going to keep. You know, we'll come full circle on that because it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And it says whatever <laughs> they were, what he said, whatever they were going to do with Brock, and it wasn't Gunther, mm-hmm. has fallen through. Mm. And so this might be what they do, or it's a, this is a tease for this is a, a you know, this is a you know it's a trick. They're tricking the audience to get us to wherever we're going. Um, I had an idea of what they were going to do with Brock. Mm-hmm. Have you heard the rumors? Did you have you heard any rumors about what Brock's WrestleMania match was supposed to be? The same one that was probably in our messages. Oh, okay, yeah, that's the only one I've heard. Yeah, um, makes sense. Makes sense. That, that would have fallen through. Right. But I'll yeah, say no. this about Omos, right? I'm, so I've been looking at, oh, this is WrestleMania season. So I'm looking at old school WrestleMania matches and he's stacking his WrestleMania resume. And it shows like, we know the Undertaker is very big on him. He's like, speaks highly of him. So 
to me, I'm thinking, okay, if they got a future for this guy and they give him Brock, he's going to have back-to-back years with Lashley and Lesnar. Even if he loses both matches, he's still stacking his WrestleMania resume. Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm thinking, is this more about him? And we say, hey, Brock, you know, do us some favors now. Yeah. As opposed to like, he's up. Brock is obviously, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer. So it feels like more it's about Brock doing a favor. Even if he wins, it's still doing him a favor because Omos in a match. hmm? Yeah, I agree. I think Omos getting suplexed is going to be great and it's going to reflect well on Omos even though he took it. You know, look, this guy can bump. Whatever. And, and, um, and yeah, I mean, it would be cool if you got the win. Brock will have to get it back at some point, I guess, or they do it the other way around. I don't know. I feel like we just, I feel like we, uh, we, we were unnecessarily vague with the fans. Who knows? We a totally unsubstantiated rumor. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I had heard, I had heard, uh, you know, totally unsubstantiated that that they were looking at a Brock versus spoiler alert Pat McAfee match for WrestleMania. So, right. Um, you know, no reason not to be upfront because I don't have any idea where that came from and it could be totally fake. But it does make sense that something like that would have fallen through and now they're like, oh, what's the next best thing? What can we, how can we pick up the pieces? Yeah, especially uh, when we haven't seen McAfee on TV. I thought the Royal Rumble was going to be, you know, him picking back up and yeah. continuing. Yeah, but isn't knows? he about to have a baby? I know he's on vacation right now. I don't really okay. keep up with Pat McAfee, but I did see like a... Uh, you know, picture on a desert island tweet or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, don't I don't follow the, the the social life Instagram stuff as much as I'm sure I should in my job. <laughs> um, what else is it? Anything else happened this week that we should touch on? SmackDown tonight's going to be a big one. Like I said, we already know. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the Dom stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I did see something floating on Twitter about uh, backlash. It's no longer WrestleMania backlash. Is it is it the one that's going to be in Saudi Arabia or no? They don't. They haven't really ironed that out. Right. Yeah, they haven't ironed it out. Uh, Brandon Thurston uh, tweeted this. Well, he was the source, but it, it's going to be. Uh, they're going to bring back the King and Queen event. Oh yeah, as King well. and Queen of the Ring. That's what that yeah. one's going to be. Well, no, that's actually May twenty seventh, but May sixth is backlash. Okay. So, but yeah, they dropped the WrestleMania backlash name. King and Queen of the Ring is going to be fun. King and Queen yeah. of the Ring under uh, assuming Triple H is still in creative control will be a good one. I've, yeah. you know. Um, See Xavier defend his crown. Probably Queen Selena defend her crown as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can actually, you know, see a path to, towards making it a little bit more meaningful. Certainly they've done, there have been meaningful kings and queens mm-hmm. in WWE history. We should rank them. Can we rank those on next week? Yeah, that's the... Uh... Yeah, that actually sounds a lot of fun too. Um, that, that yeah, but it, it, I'm I'm very excited about that pay per view. I love theme pay per views, and finally WWE's getting it. I mean, I don't love theme pay per views like Hell in a Cell. I love when there's like a a match or a tournament or something that you know gets you excited. We haven't talked about NXT. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of content, a lot of NXT content this week. It's just yeah. sort of like a Mad Lib sort of card. Yeah, we usually covered on Wednesday Worldwide. Uh, especially because, oh, how do you feel as Braun Breaker is champion? Because we haven't really got Braun Breaker's champion is a super weird thing right now. Because the well, everybody knows the fans are sort of starting to turn on him. Yeah, it feels like what do you do when fans are turning on your champ? How do you salvage it? Oh, let's put Ginger Mahal out there so he can because <laughs> he'll definitely get the boost. But Meltzer says that they're that they're that they're like giving the sign the anti Breaker signs out like they're trying to get. They're fake. They're trying. They're make trying to make the crowd boo Braun Breaker. Mm, interesting. Which makes a little bit of sense in so much as like, well, one, he's going to get booed on the main roster. Sorry, spoiler alert. But two, his entire run since 2.0 started has been just like, like boot camp. It's mm. been the obstacle course. Which like do one thing after another. Try to wrestle a guy like this. Try to wrestle a guy. Try to do a triple threat. Try and now it's like try to get, try to see how you deal with booze. You know, yeah. if that's part of that's 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 part of the process, you know, and putting him over as like a Superman is not doing him any favors in the long run. Right. He's going to show up on run. Even if people are stoked for him, they'll be booing him in six weeks, man. <laughs> Do you think that we'll see a double switch, a double turn with him and Mellow Hayes? Well, that's the other thing is that they know. I think they know if they put Mellow in the ring, they're not going to have control over the crowd. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that I think that if what Melcher says is right, and a lot of people who are there, the people who are tweeting in response saying, I'm there every week, it's not true. You know, like we're, you know, everything that happens is organic. WWE hasn't done anything. But if the if it if it were true, you could see it as an example of WWE trying to like take a little bit of take the steering wheel a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, start seeding the ground for a, for, for a double turn yeah. so that it happens a little bit more intuitively. I don't know. I think that they would. I mean, I think, and I think that they should. Who do you think, who do you think is going to have more impact on the, in, on the main roster? Between them two? Yeah. Woo. The easy way is to say Carmelo because he never misses. But I think my concerns always, and I'm trying to get out of it, is just the size factor. Yeah, he's real small. Yeah, but he has so much charisma, and Braun doesn't have a lot of charisma yet. But I could see well, it. he has the it factor charisma. Exactly. <laughs> he has the aura, but he doesn't have. Yeah, I mean, he's he's sort of one note. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't think know. He's it's it's tough. Developing yet. It's tough, man. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. He he's. They both have so much talent that if they're used correctly, I think it's going to be fine. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I think Carmelo Hayes is a shoe in for, you know, a to to be a B plus A minus guy on the main roster for a long time. Yeah. Um, I think Braun is a little bit more sink or swim. It's not like they're going to fire him or anything like that. But I do think they both have really high ceilings. It would be. I just find it. I find it much easier to imagine Carmelo Hayes having a WrestleMania moment, holding the championship and crying, than I do Braun Breaker with the whole mm. crowd chanting their name. I just yeah. think Carmelo connects a little bit more. But who knows? Yeah, and that's. The I mean, thing that's right a, that's there. a that's a far off in the future <laughs> sort of like very imaginary thing. But if we're going to talk about main roster potential, you know, we can't uh, leave out of the conversation after this week is Trick Williams. He, yeah. <laughs> he said that match with Dragunov, I'm like, oh shit, Trick can go. And that Trick was- is a, and Trick's <laughs> got that charisma and he's got, I mean, and he's one of those dudes who's gonna, who's sort of built for the main roster kind of. So it'll be interesting to see that. I mean, yeah. Dragunov too, I think, get have a huge, huge, you know, main roster run, but mm-hmm. man. Trick Williams was that was a big week for him. Oh, absolutely. And I, I like him being in these spots. Like right now, I've always seen like him and Melo Hayes as kind of the Shawn Michaels diesel esque. Mm-hmm. But you're starting to see like Trick kind of, you know, spread his wings more doing promos by himself. So I like that. And I do think he has, I think he has a lot of potential. He has a lot of charisma as well. So I would definitely be interested. I just want to see all the, uh, Hurt Business Talk stop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They should just, or, the, or just have every every black wrestler join the Hurt Business all at once. And then <laughs> right. just, and then just like, that's like an April Fool's Day joke and then we can move on. Like, just everybody's <laughs> got to stop doing that. Well, WrestleMania is in, uh, April Fool's does fall on WrestleMania. So imagine they start the show off that way. Yeah. Uh, no, that would be thing, Night one and everybody's all together. What, let, we got to get out of here, but, but, um, Obviously, there was a lot of street profits to join the hurt business chatter amongst that. So I'm just going to make the fourth segue. What do you think? We talked about this a little bit last week. Um, what do you think Montez Ford is doing at WrestleMania? Oh man, that's a good one. Uh, man, I th- I feel like he should be in the singles match, but see, I'm like my immediate thought goes back to like. WrestleMania 15, where they had like the four way for the IC title mm-hmm. or something like that. So I feel like he should be in that. Or like if they did a, a ladder match yeah. for the IC or the US championship. But it almost seems like it's Cena theory penciled in somewhere. Mm-hmm. But if it's not, I think he should be winning the US title at WrestleMania. Well, they have uh, Imperium is taking on. Ricochet and Strowman and and Madcap tonight. Oh, it's a you know six man tag. It doesn't mm-hmm. seem like there's a lot of momentum for a Gunther match at WrestleMania. Maybe they will do like an open challenge that evolves into a eight man ladder match or something. You see, I want there's Gunther so much and Sheamus. Talent. Huh? It is. I want Gunther and Sheamus again. Yeah, 
Just to, and then Sheamus finally gets that moment where he can be Grand Slam champion. Yeah, but you could still do that. That could still be the last act of a multi-person match. You know, that's true. I think you you give really people. It, there's so many people like Montez that need an opportunity to shine. And if it's just a singles match or a tag match, just one off, like whatever, like it might not have the same. I think he has three tag matches maximum on premium live events left before. And it, it, I should say under three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think by the end of the year, he'll definitely be in singles matches. I think last week he just proved himself to be a star and, you know, but I will say that I don't think Angelo Dawkins is far behind. You can see like he's been progressing, but oh, I mean, we've been, I've been saying this for a year. I mean, it's like yeah. it's it's every time that he's in the ring. I said that no, actually it's been more than a year because I said it to him at Wally Mania last year. I was just yeah. like, dude, please don't take this. Please take this in the best possible way. Every time I see you in the ring, I am stunned with how good you are mm-hmm. because it's like he exceeds expectations all the time. Yeah. Um, I think it's just logistically a challenge, right? I mean, everybody's expecting a barbershop window segment. And by the way, great, great uh, Gigi Dolan, JC Jane interaction this week. Yeah. Uh, following a pretty good um, JC Jane and D Hartwell match on NXT. Uh, love the tenacity there. But uh, that's an expectation, man. Tag team splits up, especially a tag team where like the dudes are like dressing alike, you know, exactly. and are like, but like whatever, like part of a, like they are, they are, you know, part of a unit not like two random dudes thrown together mm-hmm. um it's 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 it really it messes with your sort of expectations as a wrestling fan and that's that's an obstacle they have to overcome but it you know it's 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 overcomable i because i totally i totally agree yeah um but i hope they find the right thing for montez at wrestlemania i yeah. think they will anyway um we got to get out of here man mm-hmm. listen to wednesday brian on wednesday worldwide every week um along with uh, cal and ben and uh, we'll be back here on Monday. Me and Kaz will be back here on Monday. Go over some more of, the, more of those Observer Awards and, uh, and, and, and take stock of SmackDown and anything else that happens over the weekend. Um, I'm sure we'll have updates on Kenny Omega's contract and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> oh, it looks like good. they did tag on some extra time. I'm not going to pretend I know what's going on just yet. Anyway, <laughs> you guys know you can hear me here. You can hear me on the press box, on the Book of Wrestling. Uh, listen to everything on the Ring of Wrestling show feed. Apologies, as always, to John Moxley. We'll see you back here on Monday, Humanoids.